Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 says, For as the body is one and has many members... But all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. And then it says in verse 13, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. Then if you go back down to verse number 18, Verse 18 says, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. You know, this is true in the body of Christ. It's also true in the local church. Amen. Say amen if you can. It's scriptural. Amen. God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Amen. If you're in the place, in the body, where God wants you to be, and if you're not, you need to to get out of where you're at and get where you're supposed to be. Amen. Amen. But if you're where you're supposed to be, then you can be sure the devil will try to get you out of that place. Because it says he's placed the members, each one in the body, just as he pleased. So God is pleased when he places someone in a local church and he's pleased for them to be there. And that means that that's the place of pleasing. Well, the enemy, you know this, just, you just know it's true just because you just know it. The enemy always wants to get you out of the will of God. He'll do anything to get you out of God's place of blessing in your life. There is a place of blessing. God ordains a blessing where he has placed us. Now, that doesn't mean that he can't bless you anywhere else. But but what what I am saying is there is a place of blessing. And when he places you somewhere, there's a blessing associated with being where where he instructed you to be. Amen. There's a blessing there that can't, be, that can't be received some other place. Because if you're out of the will of God, if you're not where he wants you to be, anytime you step out of the will of God, you forfeit a certain amount of blessing. Amen. Or you could say it this way, being out of the will of God costs you, me, anybody. It, it costs us to be out of the will of God. Amen. It'll cost us blessing. Amen. If if you're in the place where God wants you to be, just know that the devil will try his best to get you out of that place. One primary way he does that is through offense. There are other ways, but one way he does that is through offense. Amen. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and the reason I'm talking about it is because I don't want to see the devil uh, getting people out of their place. Amen. It's not about me and it's not about you. It's about the Lord's place. 
Well, what does the Lord want? I, I want what the Lord wants. I want it in my life. And I want to see other people receive the benefit that God has for them in the place that he's provided for them. And I've been pastoring now for 36 years almost. Uh, next week, I guess, be 36 years that uh, we started you know, this little prayer group that turned into this church 36 years ago next week. And I've seen people get out of their place. Now listen, I'm not one of those that says that there isn't any other place God can bless you. I don't believe that. But there is a place that he has ordained for your blessing. And when people get out of that place, they forfeit the blessing God has. That doesn't mean that they can't be blessed ever again. I don't believe that. Certainly they can. Because God is merciful. And, and if you are born again, you're a child of God, you're in Christ, God is going to do everything he can to bless you. And so in his mercy, he is going to provide for you. There are certain things that are, that are going to happen in your life. You, you'll, you'll recognize the hand of God in your life blessing you. But I'm telling you, in the, the blessing that he had ordained for you in the place, you, you, won't, you won't receive those blessings somewhere else. And the lack of those blessings can cost you dearly. I've seen it. I've seen it over and over and over and over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested in seeing people receive everything that God has for them. Amen. Go with me to Hebrews, the fifth chapter. Hebrews chapter five. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, the rain hadn't got your... Your spiritual wet, wood all wet, has it? <laughs> Glory to God. You're a little, you're a little uh, slow to react tonight. So stir yourself up. Amen. Agree with the word of God. Get thrilled with the word of God. Get thrilled with the word of God. Every word of God. Be thrilled with it. Amen. Be excited about the Bible. Be excited about the truth. Be excited when God's instructing you. Amen? Hallelujah. In the fifth chapter of Hebrews, uh, let's start in verse number seven. This is talking about the Lord Jesus. It said, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears, to him who was able to save him from death, he was heard because of his godly fear. How many of you remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane? And, and the anguish uh, and the sorrow he went through. And he said, Father, if there's any other way uh, that, you know, that I can fulfill your will without going this way, I, I want to do it. Nevertheless, not my will but your will be done. He said, if there's any way that for this cup to pass from me, but nevertheless, not what I want, what you want. Jesus, in his flesh, in his spirit, he wanted to do the will of God, but the natural man doesn't want to go along with the will of God. Jesus had flesh too. Now, it wasn't sinful flesh, 
but it was flesh nonetheless. And, and he drew back from the things that were ahead of him. And it says that, that he cried out to God with tears. And God was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his godly fear. But though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Jesus learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Somebody said, well, that's wonderful. Jesus suffered so that we don't have to. Well, go with me to 1 Peter. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter. Last time I looked, this was in the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 4. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. Arm yourself with the same mind that Christ had. Though he didn't want to suffer the things that he suffered, nevertheless, he said, not my will, but your will be done. He said, arm yourself with the same mind. Did you know this kind of a mindset is a weapon? I said this kind of a mindset that says not my will, but your will be done. No matter how uncomfortable it seems to the flesh, not my will, but your will. I'm going to stick with your will. He says this is a weapon. It's a weapon. It's a very powerful weapon. Who's the weapon used against? The person next to you? No, you use this against the devil who's trying to get you in a place of disobedience. Says Jesus, says Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. We don't often think about Jesus having to learn something. We don't think about him having to learn obedience, but it says right there, we read it in Hebrews 5, he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. Amen. Have you found 1 Peter 4? Well, we read the first, first part of this verse. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. He says, he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Arming yourself with the determination to stick it out. I said to stick it out and to do what God has said to do is a weapon. You use it against the devil, but you also use it against the flesh. It's a weapon that you use to bring your flesh under subjection. Amen. Hallelujah. Not a lot of talk about suffering today, but the Bible says something about it. Physical growth is a function of time. It's a result of time. Give it enough time, unless there's something wrong with a child, you know, but uh, uh, all things being normal and equal, give it enough time, a child will grow. You have a well-nourished child, you know, with plenty to eat and they'll grow, but, but I've been in other places in the world, malnourished children, they still grow. May not grow as, as, as well, but they grow. Later into adulthood, amen, if something doesn't kill them first. Physical growth is a function of time. 
Intellectual growth is a function of education. But spiritual growth is neither a function of time nor of education. Spiritual growth is a function of obedience. Obedience. Obedience is what results in spiritual growth. Jesus learned, obedience has to be learned. Because you're not, you and I were not born with a natural tendency towards obedience. (laughs) Anybody have little children? Anybody have grandchildren? Anybody was a children? (laughs) Obedience is not a natural inclination. The flesh is inclined to disobey. The flesh is inclined to seek what it wants at the time, whether, whether it's good for the flesh or not. If it seems good and it seems to gratify, that's what the flesh wants. The flesh always wants an easy way out. The flesh always wants to go the path of least resistance. Cupcakes, candy bars, sweet tea, Potato chips with mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. The flesh will follow if if you don't use the weapon that we've been given of obedience, the flesh will always follow the path of least resistance. The path that leads to the quickest gratification. The path that leads to Uh, the fewer obstacles, the fewer challenges, the the fewer discomforts. Amen. God put us in a local body made up of imperfect believers. You don't believe it, just look around. (laughs) Far and wide, you see them there everywhere. Amen. Amen. God put us in a local body made up of imperfect believers so that we could learn the lessons of obedience and how to put our flesh under. There isn't any conflict when you stay at home and read your Bible. The conflict is when you come to church. The conflict is when you serve in the primary department. The conflict is when you're an usher and people don't appreciate your ushering. The the conflict is whenever you're in the praise and worship band and, and the praise and worship director wants you to be on time. And you don't like being on time. It's not your habit to be on time. It's your habit to never be on time. It's not comfortable when the praise and worship leader has to say, now, you've got to be on time. (laughs) Amen. God put us in a body and he's ordained that that we... live and function in a body as a, as a living organism. 
The local, the spiritual body of Christ is a, is a living body. Well, the local body is a living body. And just like we are joined to the Lord, we're in a measure, not, not to the same degree, but in a measure, we are joined to one another in a local body. I said not in the same degree because you can leave this body and go to another body. You can't leave the body of Christ. There's no other body to go to. And I'm not one of these people that believe if you belong to this church, you can't ever go anywhere else. God can't ever bless you anywhere else. That's, that's foolishness. But at the same time, God blesses the local body and he blesses people in the local body and he has planned and, and ordained and structured it so that when we, are, when we are where God places us and he is pleased with us to be there, then, then we, are, we form a spiritual body and in, and in a sense, you know, other than we know we're joined to one another in Christ, but I'm talking about in the local church. In a sense, we're also joined to one another in the local church as a body. This body is a distinct church, a distinct body. And, and over at First Baptist tonight, that's a different distinct body. It's a different local church. God knows both of our addresses. He knows the church over at First Baptist. He knows the church right here at Impact or in other places. And God has ordained that we function together in a body to accomplish a lot of things. But one of the things he wants to accomplish is he wants to accomplish the lessons of obedience in our lives so that we can so that we can go from where we are to a place of greater blessing. See, God has blessings on top of blessings and not all the blessings he has for us, we're not going to experience everything he has for us this week. There are some things ahead for us. There are some blessings and some things, some graces, some works, some, some deposits and just some Ways that he wants to pour his blessing on us that are in the future. And the way we get to some of those things is by learning the lessons of obedience today so that we can stay in the place where he has, where he has ordained for us to be so that we can get to that place. When people allow themselves, whether it's offense or whatever it might be, it, when people... Uh, get out of a church for the wrong reason. There, there are some good reasons. Sometimes God leads people to leave a local church and go somewhere else. And, 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 that's, and that's fine. But when people leave a church, a local church, for the wrong reasons, it's been my experience over, times, over time that of the wrong reasons, offense is probably at the top of the list. There are other reasons, and they're wrong, and people shouldn't, you know, I've known of people that have left our church and gone to another church because, the, because they wanted to go to another city and take another job where, where there was more money. Now, God wants to bless us, and not everyone who leaves and takes a job for greater, not, not, that's not always wrong, but I know sometimes it is wrong. 
Sometimes people have taken their family, uprooted their family, a place where they were, uh, at a church where they were planted, where the children were flourishing, where God was blessing in their life, and they up and moved across the country or across the state to some other place where there was, in their mind, there was a greater opportunity in the natural, and they were never, ever again in a place of blessing like they were when they were in this church. Not that, not, they're, they're, not that there aren't, you know, millions of people in other churches that are in a place of blessing and their place of blessing, but, but I've seen people leave for that reason. And I knew it when they were doing it. Do you tell them? No, usually not, because they won't listen. They'll just get mad and then they'll add offense to their, to their other problems. But I've seen other reasons, but I'm telling you, the biggest reason I've seen is offense. People get out of their place and the blessing that they should have received years and years and years and many years later, it's not there. And I, you know, I stay in touch with people a lot of times and, I, and, and not, because, not because they left me or they left us, but because they got out of their place and it just happened to be here and, 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 and missed that. You know, if the problem with getting out of your place for the wrong reason, if you're out of your place, it's for the wrong reason. If, if God has another place for you, then you're not out of your place if you go. But if you get out of your place, uh, you're, you're, you're going to suffer the consequences of missing the blessings that God had for you. You say, well, God will bless me just as much over there. No, he won't. He'll bless you as much as he can, but God does not bless disobedience. If God blessed us just as much, regardless of what we did, he would be endorsing our wrong decisions and he's not gonna do that. He's not gonna put his approval on our wrong decisions. Well, praise the Lord, it's true. I, I use the illustration this way a lot of times. You know, if you go down to uh, any, uh, last week we were up in, in North Georgia and I was fly fishing, I, I fly fish. And, uh, and I like to fly fish in mountain streams, tailwaters, you know, uh, below a dam or, or just free, uh, uh, free stone, you know, free streams. Uh, and, and I like to wade and the bottoms, of, the bottoms of these rivers are covered with stones, large ones and small ones, and they're all different sizes and shapes, but one thing about them, most of them are smooth. Most of the stones are smooth. Well, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't start out smooth. The, re, the way these stones became smooth is by bumping up against one another over a period of time, when stones in a river are, are forced over thousands of years to, to rub up against one another, that, that action with the relentless flow of water can cause these jagged and, 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 and misshapen and dangerous stones to become very, very smooth and very complimentary. Amen. Well, when we, it's when we bump up against one another in the local church. When, when, when someone rubs us the wrong way and we stay in the flow of the spirit 
and, and don't let the enemy trick us and deceive us and, and we don't get caught in the trap of offense, then we become smoother. Amen. God, God wants to develop us. Thank God he put us in a church with people that aren't perfect. You know, if the church was full of people like me, No, no one's perfect. No one's perfect. And there aren't any perfect churches. And and there are no perfect pastors. We're all human. We, We all have a tendency to miss it because we're still in this body. We don't know everything. We don't do everything right. But I tell you what, it's the people who stay put. Now, here's what a lot of people do. Here's what a lot of people, and remember earlier in this teaching when I said that, the, you know, we quoted from James that the wisdom that is uh, 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 from, uh, of this world that's, that's given to strife and so forth is devilish. It's sensual. There's a heavenly wisdom, but there's a wisdom that comes from the pit, but it still seems like wisdom. And what some people will do, they'll get in a local church and there'll be some kind of a conflict where, where they're in conflict with somebody. And, and, and I've heard people say this, and I've watched this, I've watched people do that. They'll say, well, rather than cause strife, rather than stay in this church and, and, and cause strife or be a part of strife, I'll just move. I'll just go somewhere else. I'll just stay home or I'll just do, I'll go somewhere else. Did you know the people who stay and fight are sometimes more spiritual than the person that left. The persons who stay and they're still in strife and they can't get along, but, but they're, 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 they're at least in a place where God can bump them around a little bit. You know, they're still getting knocked around a little bit. Maybe they're knocking somebody else around a little bit, but God can still work. You get that person out by, you take that stone out of the, out of the river and set it on the, on the shore, it'll never change. It'll just stay like it is. And some of those old jagged rocks eventually get smooth, praise God. Listen, stay where God plants you. Amen. And, and, and look out for offense. Let the Spirit of God wash over you and make everything right. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Go over with me to Psalm 92. Psalm 92. I'm going to say it again. Sometimes the people who stay and fight are more spiritual than the people who think, well, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to be real spiritual. I'm just going to get out, just go somewhere else. Sometimes they're the most carnal of all. Well, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Psalm 90, what did I say? 92, yeah. Verse 13 says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish, shall flourish in the courts of our God. Notice it said those who are planted, not those who are plucked up. Are you planted or are you plucked? Those who are planted. God wants us to be planted. We need to be planted. Listen, don't just come to church. Be the church. Don't just attend church, be a part of the church. Become planted. 
Well, I want my freedom. You know, I just want to do, I, I want to be ready to just go with God. I, so I don't, want to, I don't want to be too encumbered. That's just not scriptural. I found out that the people who are the most planted are the ones God looks to first when he wants to put, give an assignment to somebody. Amen. Before I ever went into the ministry, I mean, I was involved in the local churches I was in. I was involved in just about everything. My wife, between my wife and I, we've taught just about every Sunday school department, worked in, in, in all the different ministries of the church. I mean, talking about when we were laymen. And we were busy. And we were planted. God had us in a place, and to be planted means that you let your roots go down. You, listen, strip that plastic pot from around yourself, that insulator, and put down some roots. Amen. Those who are planted, he said, in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh in flourishing. The margin of my Bible says where it says they are, they, they shall be flat, uh, uh, fresh. It says full of oil or sap. In other words, full of the Holy Ghost. Full of oil. They will be fresh and flourishing. Green. Full of life. In old age. Not dried up. Not spiritually wrinkled and dried up, but spiritually young, fresh, green, flourishing, full of oil. In old age. See, there are, there are blessings associated with staying put in the place that God put you in. There are blessings that will not come to pass right now. They'll come to pass down the road. I came from a church background, the denomination that I came out of. My grandparents on both sides, my father and my mother's side of the family, went to this church. And my grandmother, as you've heard me talk about her from my, my, on my paternal uh, grandmother, you know, she was one of the founders of that particular church in the early 1920s. And she raised her family there. My grandparents on my mother's side, she raised all of her children there. And they all lived, not all of them, but a lot of them lived uh, in, in an area of Jacksonville called Springfield. One of the first, uh, uh, I don't know if it was one of the, I don't know if it was the first, but one of the first older large neighborhoods of Jacksonville. And a lot of them lived uh, around each other. And, they, and, and my grandparents raised their children there. And then their children, which were my parents, their generation, they raised their children there. And we all went to the same church. And growing up, there were, there were other people in the church, other young people. And I come to find out that my parents and their parents were next door neighbors when they were kids. 
because my grandparents and their grandparents lived next door to each other and behind each other, this one family I'm thinking of, and they were, they were pillars in the church just like the Andersons and the Lanes were. Well, the, the Giddens family, you know, they were in the church all those generations back and the, and the Dykes and, and, and uh, uh, so, so these friends we had in church come to find out our, our parents all played together as little children and were in Sunday school together. Well, what happens over time, there's a legacy of blessing that's passed down from one generation to another. And there are, there are blessings that are associated with that that you can't, you can't understand if you get out of that. If you separate yourself from that and break that, that uh, spiritual family that God has ordained and, and, and go off and do your own thing, you'll miss the blessing of that generational uh, heritage that's passed down. And, and I tell you what, you know, I, I'm not on Facebook like a lot of people are, uh, but I've got friends all over. I mean, hundreds of friends. We all came out of the same church. Now, as we grew up, many of us are in the ministry today. A whole bunch of us are in the ministry. A lot of us, a lot, still go to those same couple of churches. You know, one church spawned another church. You know, there, there was a, a you know, satellite church sent out and so forth. And, but their, their children, now I'm in another place, but if I was in Jacksonville, I'd still be probably going to those same churches. What I'm saying is there's something that's passed down and, and there's blessing that comes over time. And when, when we started our church in 1980, like you know, you've heard before, I'd, in June of 1980, we came over here from Jacksonville to Fort White, started you know, uh, helping somebody that had met, they had met two or three times as a Bible study, not more than just two or three times. So they asked me to come and, and, and help them and I, and I came, you know, I, I thought I would just, you know, teach them for a little while and go on, you know, and God would send them a pastor and found out that it was me. <laughs> but, uh, and, you know, as the church developed, when I first started pastoring, when I first started, when I, when I agreed to pastor, let me put it that way, I still didn't see myself as a pastor. I was sure Okay, God's just, you know, this is just a time of training. I'm going to be faithful. God's asked me to do this, and I'm going to be faithful. But just in just a couple of years, God's going to move me into my real ministry. God's going to, I mean, God's got great plans for me. And I just was sure I would go somewhere else. And so when we first started, you know, I, I, I didn't know how to pastor. When I went to Bible school, I didn't pay any attention in the, in the pastoring classes because I was sure I wasn't going to pastor. Now, I, I, seriously, I didn't pay any attention. I was all about the traveling ministry. And uh, so, you know, we started the church and, and uh, it, it, it took a, a couple of years for me to, to really begin to kind of step into the, to the real role of, of the pastor or let me say it differently, for the anointing, the real anointing of the pastor to kind of settle in because I was sort of resistant to it. I was just sure, you know, this wasn't my calling. But as, as the pastoral anointing began to uh, manifest itself more, then I began to act more like a pastor. 
Well, I hadn't acted like a pastor before then. I was just good old brother Edwin. Now, they called me pastor, but they all came from denominational churches. They didn't know what a pastor was. When I started acting like a pastor, suddenly they didn't like it. Some of them. So some of them didn't like it. Because they had, they had been accustomed to running things, and I pretty much let them. Because after all, I wasn't going to be there. But whenever I, be, but I started yielding to the, the role of the pastor and the anointing of the pastor, then I started acting like a pastor. Well, some of them got offended. There was a young man in our church, a, a, a young man who was the son of one of the founding uh, families in this church. And I cast the devil out of him. He was backslidden when we started the church. He wasn't even part of the church. And uh, his parents called me one night and I went over there and he was in the floor and he was, his parents were holding him down. He had his hands and his feet and they were holding him down and he was twisting and making all kinds, growling and making all kinds of crazy things. And I just ran in there and just cast the devil out of him. He was a homosexual and I cast an unclean spirit out of him. Well, you know, he, he uh, when, when that was all over, uh, they put him to bed. He was just passed out. They put him to bed. Well, I went over there to his house the next day and knocked on the door and woke him up. And uh, he came to the room and, he, and he, I said, here, I want to I come in and talk to you. His parents were gone to work. And uh, he was a young man in his early 20s. And so I led him to the Lord, got him filled with the Holy Ghost that morning. Well, you know, he started, he started coming to church and started witnessing. And, and I mean, he was on fire for God. He started playing the piano. And he was our first pianist. And he had never played before. And God taught him how to play the piano. Just by ear. He just took up. He just sat down in front of it and started playing. And, and at first it didn't sound like much. But after a very short period of time, he could play. And so he started playing the piano in our praise and worship. Well, this went on for about two years and until the time where his parents began to get offended. When they started getting offended, now listen, it's not because it was me. I'm just telling you how offense works. When they started getting offended with their pastor and what God was trying to do with the church, now listen, I wasn't there, but I guarantee you the conversations reflected this. People at home talk. And I'm well satisfied they had me for dinner. I mean, sliced up, diced, and peppered more times than once. Well, this young, as this was going on, as they started getting into fence, and what, and, and what began to happen is there was a faction of, of the folks that was there in that original Bible study. They didn't like the fact that they felt like Pastor Anderson's taking their church from them. Well, they're the one that called me there. And God said to be a pastor, so I'm going to start pastoring. So I started giving direction to the church. They didn't like it because it wasn't a little good old boy club anymore. And, uh, and so they started chafing at that, and they were really trying to take the church away from me. It was just a little, I won't go into all the details, but there was a, 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 a cadre of, of people in the church, you know, that they were, they were uh, conspiring to try to take the church and uh, take it out of the will of God. 
this young man at the same time started yielding to those wrong spirits again. At the same time that his parents started compromising, the son that they had believed God for began to compromise. He started slipping. I, tr- I tried to talk to him and I, and I, and I tried to minister to him and, and the anointing to minister to him like I had before never came again. All I could do was just minister, you know, just talk to him and encourage him. And eventually they left. There was a several of those original families that left. And you'll, you'll never convince me that this young man's backsliding wasn't tied to his parents. Now see, there was a blessing for them for today in this church. They could have been in this church. That son could still be in this church. He could be married and have a family. They could have grandkids in this church today like you guys do. Like you guys do. Like others do. Like you. They could have that blessing in their old age, but they missed it. Now again, it wasn't because they left me or left this church per se. It's because they got out of the place of their blessing and it was a fence that separated them. Amen. Their lives fell apart and it doesn't have to happen. Listen, people can get out of the will of God, go someplace else and they can repent. They can say, I was wrong. God forgive me. And, and if they'll straighten up and live right, God can, be, can, can begin a new place of blessing for them. I totally believe in that. But so often when people get offended, they will not judge themselves. They will not deal with it. They'll live on in their offense. They'll persist in their offense. And, and well, Paul told Timothy, they're ensnared. They're taken captive by the devil at his will. They're, and it wasn't just one family. It was two, three, four families. They lost their kids. Their children are not in church today. Some of them are, some of them aren't. Most of them aren't. Not serving God. Well, there's, God wants us to be blessed not only in this generation. He wants our children to be blessed. Our grandchildren to be blessed. Our great-grandchildren to be blessed. There's a blessing for us. Those who are planted in the house of God shall flourish in the courts of God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Go with me to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Hallelujah. We'll close with this or maybe another one. Verse 1, Psalm 1, 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You know, they could have just said, I- I'm not going to listen to this counsel. I was at, I was at Pastor Kearns' funeral on Sunday, and uh, Shekinah Glory came into town Saturday night, and they spent the night at our house. And so Sunday morning, they got up, we came to church, and they didn't come to church here. They had just, they had been in church for like 21 days and holding meetings, and they were exhausted. They, they came from directly from New York and, and didn't go home first. They came to High Springs, and they got in about 10 o'clock at the airport. They got in our house you know, almost 11 o'clock and on Saturday night. They came in. They were exhausted. Greg uh, had to leave uh, Sunday morning uh, right before I started my message, I think. He had to go out and pick them up and take them to Chiefland so they could get up, set up 
so they could set up for the three o'clock funeral. They had to do a sound check and rehearse and stuff. And uh, so we got over there for the funeral. And after the funeral, I was helping Ray. They had taken their musical, you know, the stuff that Ray carries, all of his gear, his electronic gear, was in the back of my sequoia. Well, I was helping him load it from the church back into my sequoia, take it home, and then they left from here Monday and flew out. As I'm taking the stuff uh, out of the church, Ray's still inside, I'm by myself, I'm putting stuff in the back of my sequoia. A man came up to me, followed me. I noticed he kept looking at me when I was in the church like he wanted to say something, but I really didn't pay any attention. When I got outside, he followed me out and he said, Pastor Anderson, he said, can I talk to you? I said, yeah. He said, uh, I don't know if you remember me, he told me his name and his name sounded familiar, but I, I didn't remember the face. He said, uh, he said, Several years ago, he said, I used to be in Pastor Kearns' church, George Kearns' church. And he said, I got offended at something the pastor had done. And I went and told him, you know, the, how I thought things ought to be. And the pastor didn't agree with me. And he said, I got, I got mad and I got offended and I left. And he said, so I figured I need to find a good church. And I'd heard that Edwin Anderson had a good church. So he said, I went to your church. I don't remember. He said, I showed up in your church Sunday morning, the next Sunday, I guess. And he said, I was just waiting for the end of the service so I could come up to you and, and tell you what a lousy, sorry person Pastor Kearns was. Well, that was a big mistake. He said, so as soon as the service was over, he said, I came straight up the aisle and I met you and I started to tell you about Pastor Kearns and all the stuff he had done wrong and all the errors that he was missing. It. And he said, I no sooner started and you stopped me. You said, hold it, I am not gonna listen to this. If you got some problem with Pastor Kearns, you know you go talk Pastor Kearns. Don't bring it to me, I'm not gonna listen to it. You say, well, he was your friend. Well, he was. I'd have done that for any pastor. Don't come to me telling me about, the, about, about your former pastor because I don't want you in my church because I know you'll leave here and you'll tell the next pastor what you think about me. And I'm just not interested. I don't have time for it. And so it wasn't because Pastor Kearns was my friend. He was, but that, that wasn't the issue. I said, no, I'm not listening to you. He said, he was so offended. He said, now I was offended at you. <laughs> he said, now Pastor Anderson's just like Pastor Kearns. He's a jerk just like Pastor Kearns is. And so he left and he was mad. He was offended at Pastor Kearns. Now he's offended at me. I don't know, he didn't say how long this went on, but he said not, you know, a certain amount of time went, went by and I don't know what happened. He didn't go into it, but he came to his senses. Remember over in First Timothy? Come to their senses. He said, I came to my senses and I realized that Pastor Kearns was right. And he said, he went back to Pastor Kearns and, and, and repented and said, Pastor, I'm wrong. I should, you know, you were right in what you were doing and how you were handling things and I was wrong. My attitude was wrong. Forgive me. And he, and he said, he, you know, he... he uh, forgave me. Of course, neither one of us did anything to him. I don't guess Pastor Kearns did. I don't know. I didn't listen to it. But uh, he, he said, we, we got back into fellowship years ago. And he said, all of these years, he said, of course, Pastor Kearns just forgave me. He said, listen, don't worry about it. You know, we'll put it behind us. Years, he said, years and years have gone by. We've been in fellowship all these years. He's a pastor now in Alabama, has been for many years. So I'm supposing this happened in the 80s or late 80s or uh, mid-80s to late to early 90s. I have no memory, even while he's telling me. So I remember that name, but I don't remember this incident at all. But you see what? He recovered himself. And 
I said that to say this, I was not going to listen to the counsel of the ungodly. I'm just not going to do it. And, and that's what the scripture says. It, it, let's go back. We'll, we'll, I'll keep you just a minute and two and then I'll let you go. I think I let you out earlier this week. I'm making up. Last week, I think you got out early. Well, but who's keeping records, right? Who's counting? <laughs> Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Notice scornful people are in the same category as sinners and ungodly. Scornful. Scornful. Well. Well. Scornful. That's what that is. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. You know, over in, in uh, the 119th Psalm, it says, Great peace have they who love your law, and there is no occasion for offense in them. No occasion for stumbling. Great peace have those who love your law, and no opportunity to be offended. Yeah. Hallelujah. Listen, stay with the word. Amen. Somebody offends you, just stay with the word. Yeah. Amen. Have great Delight in the word of God. Be thrilled with the word of God. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. I see some of these big old oak trees in my mind's eye. I see some of these big old oak trees along the banks of the river and they're just fat and flourishing. They've been there for generations after generation after generation. But you know what? As big and proud as they are, they've seen some storms. They've seen some storms in their lifetime. There, there have been some times of drought. There have been some times of flood. There have been some times of, of, of hurricanes, winds, lightning. There's been all kinds of storms, all kinds of attacks. Jesus said the storms of life will come. But if you'll do the sayings of God, that's how you stay planted, by doing the word. Acting on the word will keep you planted and the storms in life of life will come and go, but at the end of life, glory to God. I'm so glad I stayed put. I'm so glad I stayed put. I'm glad I stayed where God called me. Listen, there were a lot of times I wanted to leave this church. You don't know it, but there was a, there was a period of time in the 1980s, I went through a period, and I, don't, I can't explain it, but I, it happened to me. Believe, I, believe me, I know it. I went up through a period of time, a drought. I went through a period of time where I rarely experienced any anointing that I could perceive. Now, people would come up to me and say, oh, Pastor, that was good. Most of the time, I really thought they were just trying to, they were feeling sorry for me. <laughs> I felt dry. I mean, I would be at home in my prayer time and preparing and whoo, I mean, glory to God, I got a message. I'd preach to myself and get all excited. I'd walk into the auditorium of that old building and it was just like it was dead. My word just looked like they'd go, felt like they went back and hit that wall and bounced back and hit me in the face. And I mean, this lasted for, lasted for two or three years. 
And about one service, you remember this, about one service after, after a couple of weeks, we'd have a really good service, a Holy Ghost blowout, and I'd get refreshed. Next Sunday, it was right back to the same old way. Boom, boom. Sunday after Sunday, week, month, year after year. You don't know it, but there were a lot of times in that old building when I was preaching, I would, I would turn and look over my right shoulder of that door. Physically, I turned and looked. You probably don't remember it. Why would you remember it? But I remember preaching many times. And while I was preaching, I'd look at that door. And while I'm preaching, the thought would run through my mind. Just go out that door, get in your car, and leave. Don't tell anybody. Don't even give the church any explanation. Just leave them sitting there. And they'd just say, well, what happened to pastor? And I said, I just thought, just let them figure it out. They didn't act like they were enjoying it. I wasn't enjoying it, so I might as well leave. I mean, I had that thought. I, 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 many a times, we talked about, let's just get out of here. Let's just pack our bags and hit the road. Listen, you got to endure times of testing. You learn obedience by the things that you suffer. I don't know why I went through that. I, to date, I don't know. I don't want to think about it a whole lot because I don't want it to happen again. (laughs) But I'm telling you, I'm glad that I'm producing fruit in my old age. Producing fruit in, in season. Amen. My leaf is green, glory to God. Amen. Full of sap, hallelujah. I'm a sappy pastor today. And I've gone way over, Sister Edna. You let me know next week what time I need to quit. <laughs> Hallelujah. God bless you. We love you. Praise the Lord. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.